Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Today's episode is sponsored by my Lit Daily Online Yoga Classes. This is an exclusive pass into my personal practice and program that I created from experience as a physical therapist and 20 years developing my lit yoga methodology. There is a different class with me every day, including special monthly live streams, so you can feel your most lit up anytime and anywhere. Get a three-day free trial today by going to movementbylara.com and clicking daily classes. Let's get moving. Good movement, and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a Movement by Lara podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and stronger movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Before I get into today's episode, I want to let you know there's still a few spots left to join me in Princeton, New Jersey this August, very soon, for my 21-day yoga teacher training. We will dive deeply into anatomy and physiology, and you will leave ready to teach at least 10 lit flows that I've created, and you will have access to and permission to teach on your own. So learn more and sign up at movementbylara.com. This training is perfect for anyone, whether you're a beginner or a seasoned yoga teacher. And join me August 3rd in New York City to break a world record together for the most handstands done simultaneously. The current record is 399, so I want to smash it. I hope I get to hug you afterwards as we make history together on Saturday, August 3rd in New York City. Just go to my website, movementbylara.com and the information is there so you can and you need to sign up ahead of time and there will be a class to prepare you for this you do not need to know how to do a handstand the the actual definition is hands on the ground feet off the floor so it can be for a, a microsecond but i will prepare you for it and anyone will be able to participate so bring your friends let's make it a big old date there so today's episode is called Things You Can Do to Build New Neural Pathways. Things you can do to build new neural pathways. So neural pathways are pathways of the brain. I talk a lot in my classes. Um, If you are on my Lit Daily, I talk a lot about building brain mapping and building smarter, more efficient 
clearer, stronger, more complex pathways from the brain. So in the brain, we have neurons there and they get together and form um, these kind of conglomerations. And, and the more complex the dendritic, which are like the little tentacles that come off of the neurons, the more complex they are and how they, the synapses connect and communicate, the kind of larger our brain is. The brain is like a muscle. It can grow and change. And it wasn't always thought that to be so. As as short period of time as, you know, 50 plus years ago, uh, people thought, um, including neuroscientists, that the brain was rigid, not plastic. Plastic means capable of changing. So a rigid brain, meaning you you would acquire the knowledge, your um, brain capacity by a certain age, and then it really wouldn't change. And that's kind of terrifying that you would get everything that you would ever have in your brain uh, potential by a certain age. And that age was quite young in adolescence. Well, then obviously they came to realize that that wasn't the case. And there's so many, even people in history, if you look at Leonardo da Vinci, I'm reading about Leonardo da Vinci right now, and my goodness, he was a genius. And a lot of his genius was his curiosity, his commitment to pursue knowledge on all fronts. I mean, he studied medicine. He studied militia. He studied the the body. He studied, of course, birds and religion and figures. And he, he, he just, he was an unbelievable uh, genius. And yes, he probably had that in there, but he was never officially schooled. This was just his own pursuit and his um, curiosity. And so I think the first thing I would say is to grow your brain and, and, and grow more pathways is be curious. And in being curious, you're kind of automatically compelled to do something different. You know, curious people are not doing the same routine day in and day out. It just would be not interesting for curious people. So if you pique your curiosity, you're going to automatically um, set the set the foundation for building better pathways in, in the um, brain. So when people talk about neuroplasticity, this is the brain's ability to reorganize these neural pathways that I'm talking about. And brains with more pathways will have more plasticity, so more potential to grow and expand. And your brain is, in, is, as I mentioned, contains a lot of these networks of um, dendrites and neural passageways. And every time you have a new experience, they are lit up and processed. So a new experience is really crucial for these pathways to develop. And, when, and movement is a great way to expand your pathways. And so I'll, I'll get into a few instances of that that you can start practicing in your daily life, whether you practice yoga or some other movement practice. But that is a, a direct access pathway, um, superhighway pathway into the brain. Is, is through movement. Every time you learn something new or learn how to do it, do something in a novel way, your brain is creating neural passages to hold on to that knowledge or skill. Brains that are, you know, like think back to that person who's doing the same thing every day. That's an understimulated brain. 
And you can actually lose your plasticity with understimulation because these neural pathways are just not used. Think of an, of an old road that isn't ridden on. You know, it has, gets cracks in it. It gets these weeds growing up. It really could actually be overgrown and not be used anymore. And that's kind of what happens with your the neural pathways if you do something, if you don't do something new and novel, right? It just kind of, they just get underused. So brain plasticity can be worked on every single day. So here are my tips for that. And uh, just a little bit more background. After graduate school in physical therapy, I went on to get a postgraduate certification in what's called neurodevelopmental treatment, NDT, which was um, created, one of the creators is Bobath. And the Bobath method is really well studied in most uh, PT schools. And it is completely based on this idea of neuroplasticity. And even when you have a injury to the brain, that you the person can um, train other parts of the brain to create other neural pathways to take over the function of something that was lost from that brain injury. So I would work with stroke patients, primarily some brain and traumatic brain injury patients, and um, work with them on regaining function in a big way. So learning how to walk again, learning how to um, climb stairs, learning how to come up from a sitting, from sit to stand, some fundamental things that were lost from the brain in a brain insult, it's called. And it's all based on this plasticity of the brain that even when you have an injury in one part of the brain, there's a lot of unused areas, untapped areas that um, can be recruited. And so a lot of it requires the some intervention with the therapist. So I would get in there and help the patient because you're talking about a patient that has hemiplegia, which is translated as being paralyzed or um, somewhat paralyzed. So you can't just say, hey, get on the ground on all fours. Um, I would help them get on the ground. And then I would give stimulation to certain areas in their like arm that would give the brain information back. So it was kind of like recruiting it from the reverse, from the body to the brain, because the messages go both ways. So we were working from, and then working on from the, the physics property of ground reaction force. That force is available to anyone, whether you've had an injury or not. So getting and weight bearing is so important to get that feedback loop for to recruit the muscles to fire. So there was a lot of great things. And that all the work that I've done early on in my physical therapy career with these um, neurologically impaired clients of mine really impacted my, the way I teach because I started thinking, look at how much they improve with, and they've they've had some serious injury. What if I applied this idea of brain plasticity to my yoga practice for people who have not had that kind of injury, what kind of change would it create? Well, it is anyone that takes the classes really sees it. It's um, a huge impact. And it's because we're doing things differently. We're stimulating the brain and the body connection in a, in a very successful way based on this neuroplasticity. So without further ado, here are some tips. First of all, I would say get on, get weight bearing in some way 
um, every single day. And when I say weight bearing, I'm not just talking about your feet because you're walking around, but get on your hands. So I would, when my kids were very young, we would do crawling exercises around the house. I say exercises, but it was just fun. So I would make up little mazes that they would crawl around and I would do it with them. So why would it be, uh, why should I be, just because I've crawled in my life, I shouldn't be just sitting that one out because I haven't done it in a while. So I would do these crawling things with them. Crawling is very stimulating for the brain. It's working both hemispheres of the brain and it's, it's kind of this activity that we might've done for a very short amount of time. And some kids actually skip crawling, which is not great. You want to have every kid crawl. So anyway, it, it's something that we should do now, even as adults. I had stroke patients, elderly stroke patients crawling. And that's how, I'm so like, it's like a, a rot jet fuel for the brain. So what I would say is crawl around your house. You're your animals will love it, your kids, your partner, whoever you live with, family, parents. It's really, really fun and get them involved in it. Make up an obstacle course so that you're you're doing this and really charging up the brain. So get on your hands. And that's why I get on our we get on our hands in every single one of our classes in my studio and in my online classes. Because there's such it's not just like, oh, doing a handstand is cool. It's doing getting on your hands is so important for your neural plasticity. And then getting more and more weight onto the hands via vis-a-vis like getting the feet off the floor, like just amps up that. And of course, there's a lot of core integration and all this kind of brain mapping that happens along the way. So it's, it's not just about being cool. So don't write off not being able to do a handstand. You can do it. Anyone can learn how to do it. And it, and if you do it from the purpose for the purpose of growing your brain, maybe that'll give you more inspiration. Okay, all right. So get on your hands. That's one. A second thing is um, for building and strengthening neural pathways is switch up the your dominant hand or foot that you use. It's easy to do the hand first. So think about the activities that you do with your hand, whether it's um, something with the mouse on your computer. Uh, brushing your hair, brushing your teeth. I do this um, all the time. I stir my vegetables on the stove with my non-dominant hand. I try and brush my hair with my non-dominant hand. I started when I started doing yoga classes, I started leading with my non-dominant hand, which happens to be most people's non-dominant hand. I'm right-handed. Most people are right-handed. There are a lot of lefties but even if you're left-handed, you are living in a right-handed world in a lot of ways. So working that left-handed side is going to be just as beneficial for you. So my classes, we start with the left side always to kind of even out the the kind of lifestyle uh, imbalance that is occurring by being so right-hand dominant. The only thing I would say is don't try and cut stuff with your left hand because you know uh, that's just maybe getting a little bit too dangerous, but everything else you can try and apply by using that left hand. And then if you do anything with your legs, say you kick a soccer ball or you play tennis or, or, or anything, can you also incorporate that in your legs? So try switching up which, what, what hand you use. So, so far we have get on your hands, crawl around, work on your handstands, all that stuff. The second is switch up your dominant hand. The third thing is what is known as uh, 
kind of sensorial, uh, not deprivation, but um, changing up your senses. So it's sensorial restriction. So sometimes when I'm practicing yoga, I will close my eyes because by closing my eyes and doing something that I know how to do, it actually creates a lot of stimulation to the brain. And so by closing the eyes and doing something that you're pretty used to doing, just that performance of it will stimulate the brain in a different way. And so even performing like everyday tasks with fewer senses involves promotes activating these underused neural pathways. So try this sensorial just like restriction and the not using your vision is a big one because you we're so visual we're so visual so just by closing off the eyes everything else has to it's like it all opens up your ears open up your the proprioceptors open up those are the receptors in the joints and soft tissues that tell us where we are in space so by closing our eyes we have to rely on those in a in a fundamentally different way so do some type of sensorial restriction that will then that's why meditation is really wonderful. So that, that my next thing is meditation. Meditation is one aspect of it is pulling in your senses and, and depriving them to a degree um, or restricting them. So there are different forms of meditation and I've been trained in different forms and some you do have a half gaze where the eyes are open. I would say for this purpose, um, of 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 restricting your senses when you meditate, close your eyes so that you're closing off and you're really going kind of in the journey into the brain. So meditation has been shown to be very important for neural pathway opening and activation. And there's so many different reasons why you can meditate in any way. There is no wrong way to meditate. Uh, you could think about a mantra. You could visualize something. You can focus just on your breath, just the feeling of your breath. But just by honing in on your senses and getting a control and harnessing them, and then this attempt to go really journeying into the brain, you are creating stronger and more neural pathways. And you can do this without being still, for instance. So you can do this in a movement practice, but really pull into what is happening. It's it's being really present. So say you're just in a plank, for instance. Can you stay in that plank and almost find a meditative quality of it? Just like you're floating in it. That Not that you're coming out of the feeling of it, but you're actually feeling even more, but it's all connected and it's going into the brain and the brain is getting more sparked so that you're not thinking about the feeling of it, like, wow, this is hard or boy, this, but you're just in it, if that makes sense, <laughs> really harnessing the, the, just being in it and being integrated in it. And that's that being present without putting any, any kind of qualitative value to it or assessment to it, just feeling it, sensing it and not necessarily responding to it. So this practice of meditation can be done in sitting, closing the eyes, but it could also be in the in the practice of the movement itself and being and just focusing moment to moment and not rushing through something. Even if you're doing something that you've done many times before and I will say this a lot, 
every single time I do a sun salutation, even though I've probably done thousands of, of them, I my attempt is my goal is to be there second to second, moment to moment, that I'm not zoning out, but I'm actually zoning in, that I'm I'm really going into these pathways and either further um, augmenting them or maybe creating a new one. And that's why I have created some different sun salutations just to create something new with it. So that is my kind of third and fourth thing is that, you know, the the sensations kind of flexing your sense in some ways and then adding the meditative quality to it. Okay, so what are some other ways to build the pathways? Well, one is to, and and I alluded to this with the person who's doing the same routine every day, is to change your routine. Changing your kind of regular routine, just even a little bit, really will stimulate and create these new pathways because new experiences create new pathways. And those new experiences mean new experiences for your brain. So it's not like, okay, I've got to go into a different country, do some. No, it could be just your routine that you do, but you do it differently. So for instance, I know people who run and they run the same course all the time. And there's something great about that because you know how long it is, you know how long it takes, you're familiar with it. But what I would say is run it differently, run it backwards, or try and actually run a different course and just change it up and notice how your brain responds to that how you will be more in the moment to moment because that's growing that pathway because you're doing something different. It could be as small as when you get up out of bed. Um, I remember this in the course that I took. It said, "Get notice which way you get out of bed. So you probably always get out the same way. Do it differently. So sometimes what I'll do is I do like this kind of, I'm on the right side of the bed and I'll do like a ninja roll all the way over to the left and I'll get out with my left foot leading. And it's it's just like, it's just fun. And it, and it awakens me in a different way. So I'll kind of practice even getting out of bed a little bit differently. Um, it could be, you know, the way that you drive to work. Could you do that a little bit differently? Um, just slight changes in your quote unquote routine um, can make a big, big difference in, in that building of the neural pathways. So all of these techniques are ways to grow new pathways or strengthen ones that are there. But the overall kind of umbrella of all of that is curiosity. Being curious, like I was talking about Leonardo da Vinci, being curious so that you are the thinking. The thinking is really what is increasing the number of dendritic branches or, or neural pathways that interconnect these different brain cells. So thinking a lot, working in your thoughts. When I was hiking with my kids, my son would say, can you tell me a story? And sometimes I'd be like, oh my God, I'm too tired to tell a story. Because it really, what I would notice is it would stimulate me, but it, it took a lot of focus. I couldn't zone out. Because I'm telling a story that I'm I'm either making up or remembering from a book. So things like that can be really great. Like read a book and then attempt to tell someone that what happened in, in the sequential order so that that is amazing for your brain. 
because it's called, you know, you recall, but then you're really thinking about it. And the thinking and the curiosity, all of this is building those neural pathways a lot. So doing things like that is wonderful. Um, memorizing something and then recalling it. Um, of course, learning a different, they've, they've, they've also um, written lots of, you know, you can look anything up about these, but doing crossword puzzles or um, learning an instrument, things like that, because those are things that um, learning a different language. I mean, these are things that are going to really make those neural pathways light up and build some new ones. So those are big ways to do it, you know, but these are some ways that you can implement them in your daily life. The ones that I went through. So again, just one more time, my own recall, this is good for me, is um, the first, because I don't have this written down, by the way, I kind of have like small little notes, but this, so this is one reason it's, it's good, but I do write everything down. That's another great thing. Write with your pen. I say this a lot in my teacher trainings. I really prefer people writing things down instead of typing on the computer, because it has been shown that the um, retention of that is much greater when you write it down than when you type it. There is the physical act of writing that brings it into your mind more. So I write everything down. So even when I was writing this up, I kind of remember, uh, remembered what I was going to say. But the, um, the thing to do is get on your hands in some way, because that's different, right? Just getting on your hands. We don't tend to get on our hands. So that's going to be different and grow neural pathways. It's going to make you stronger. You're going to get more core connection and this increased brain plasticity in neural pathways. The second is to, you know, try and use a different body part, you know, like your left side of the body, if you're right-handed, right hand, um, if you're left-handed. So doing things a little bit different, forcing your brain to connect in a different way. Uh, since working the senses, so sensory restriction by closing your eyes, really getting into what's going on in the brain itself. And you could do this also through meditation um, or through either in sitting or in, in movement itself. Uh, we also want to try and change up our routine to do something a little bit different, whether getting off on a different side of the bed, running a different route, going to work a different way. Something that is, you know, when you go on autopilot, when you do the same route, that that's why, because you're not, you don't have to think. So we want to try and, and create these neural pathways, which requires us to think. So that would be the last thing is make sure you're thinking, be curious, use your brain, read the books. Don't just skim over. We have to read people. <laughs> Reading is one of the, one of the best ways to keep those neural pathways lit up and to create um, new ones. So be like Leonardo, be curious, work on your thinking, work on creating stories by creating flows. That's really, really, my brain is always fired up when I create new series or nerve flows because it's, I'm, I'm creating and that's a great way to grow those neural pathways. So, so create and think and grow and expand. And it's fun. It's really fun to keep the brain active and um, those pathways open. So as always sending you lots of love and I'm pulling for you, grow that brain. <laughs>